Praise the Lord. Good morning. Merry Christmas. If you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9.15. And you say, well, man, this is Christmas. Is he going to find a Christmas message in 2 Corinthians 9.15? You'd be surprised. Hallelujah. It says... Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help me describe the indescribable. Lord, let me speak the unspeakable. Lord, help me explain, Lord God, to those who are hearing by the power of your Spirit, who you are, Lord. In your name we pray, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. What an awesome scripture. Title of my message is The Indescribable Gift. So, guess what I get to do this morning? Describe the indescribable. <laughs> uh, other translations of this scripture, that's the New International Version, which some of you say, Well, man, that's not even spiritual. <laughs> but I like the word indescribable. New Living Translation says, Thank God for this gift too wonderful for words. English Standard Version says, Thanks be to God for His inexpressible gift, is how they interpreted it. And then King James, just to really focus this on being real spiritual here, right? King James says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And so each of these are really good translations of this Greek word that means that there are not words. Uh, The literal Greek is, you can't in human words explain the gift that God gave us. There's no way to describe it. There's no way to accurately portray what God has given to us as a gift. And uh, this is a very interesting passage because Paul is actually talking to the Corinthians in a letter, and he's talking to them about their gifts that they're giving for a, a collection that he's taking, and he's complimenting them on and encouraging them to give to people that are in need. And then at the very end, as Paul often does, in fact, Peter said, sometimes Paul's hard to understand. And anybody who teaches... Um, the letters of Paul, the reason why he's hard to understand, number one, he's deep. You know, a lot of things he says are very simple, but also very deep. But the other thing is his mind just goes randomly in different areas. And so he's really excited about the gift that they're going to give to the poor. And he's complimenting them and encouraging them and talking to them about the gift. And then he just stops, changes the subject completely He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about um, grace. And he just stops and he says, thanks be to God. And he just begins having a worship service in the middle of his letter. And he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And uh, commentators will look at this and they'll say, what is he talking about? And they'll say, is he talking about the gospel that he just mentioned in the previous verse? Or is he talking about the grace that he mentioned in the previous verse? And almost all scholars of the text say 
It's very apparent, whether it's the gospel or the grace, that Paul is clearly talking about the gift of Jesus Christ that God gave to us. And so as you begin to look at it, break it down. It's his indescribable gift. So first of all, who is the his? Thanks be to God because of his. And boy, I got to stop there. You say, well, man, I don't know if I'm going to get anything for Christmas. Do you realize that there is a gift that has your name on it? And it's from him. He actually gave the gift for you. And it's from God in heaven. The Father, God in heaven, has given us a gift. And it's indescribable. Have you ever had a gift you couldn't describe, that there weren't words that adequately expressed the gift? I don't think you ever have. Every gift you got, even if you were one of those gag gifts for Christmas, you could kind of explain what it was. You could have the adjectives to properly say this is what it is, and you can describe it, and you can give people an idea of what it is. But Paul says this one is unsearchable. This one was unspeakable. This one is unable to be described. It's too wonderful for words, the gift that God himself gave to you. Hallelujah. And gift, you know, we look over that, we say, oh, gifts, well, you know. But what is a gift? Well, a gift, here's the definition. Let me just give it to you. Something given that you have not earned and you have not paid for. That's the definition of a gift. Because if I give my family 20 bucks and say, go buy me a gift, they, now they are, now that's a bad example. But how many know, that's a terrible example, how many know that a gift is something that you should not have earned and you should not have paid for? The giver is giving you something that is literally a gift. And so here is God giving you something that is too wonderful for words that you in no way, shape, or form have earned. His Isn't there a lot in one little sentence? (laughs) His indescribable gift. Unbelievable. Matthew 2.11. It says, After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They fell to the ground and they worshipped him. They opened their treasures. They presented to him... What is that word? Nobody's reading along with me. Okay. Now, I don't have a PowerPoint. They presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You know, there's no way to avoid the fact that Christmas is about gifts. And as much as times in my life I've hated that, how many have ever hated that about gifts? And you say, man, this is an American thing. There's lots of uh, commercialism here, materialism here. Gifts ruin everything. 
people have money problems and are trying to buy things they can't afford to satiate somebody's desire to have a gift. And and even I've said I love Thanksgiving because you just make a meal, fill the table up, love each other, spend time together, and you can't mess it up. And just be thankful to God, thankful for your family, and love each other. And as much as gifts can be all of those things, how many know Christmas is about Jesus Christ, the gift? In fact, John 4.10, not too far in the Gospel of John, it says, Jesus answered and said to her, this is the woman at the well. He's ministering to somebody that most Jews wouldn't even talk to. And Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God, there's that word gift again, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, capital H, which means deity, and he would have given, there's that word gift again, you living water. Now some of you men read that. And you've had the nerve to think that you're God's gift to humanity, right? (laughs) Kind of a bold thing for Jesus to say, right? He said, if you had known who you were talking to, if you knew the gift of God that's talking to you, now you can't say that. A lot of men do say that, right? Meet a woman at the well, you know, if you knew the gift of God that's in front of you, right? But how many know he really was the gift of God to humanity? And if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask me for a drink and I would give you living waters that would never fail you. Hallelujah. You see the gift of Christmas? Hallelujah. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death. That means that our behavior without Christ, is going to result in all of us dying um, without eternity with Christ. How many know that? Our eternity is based in the person of Jesus Christ. Our ability to have eternal life is in Him because the wages of sin is death. But Romans 6.23 says, But the free gift of who? God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this gift is starting to shape up to be something pretty important. Because without that gift, how would you like to open a gift up and it's going to give you eternal life? That's what he's saying there. That this gift, how would you like to get a gift from me and you open it and it's literally the fountain of youth? You say, wow, where did you find this? Uh, well, you know, we've been searching for it for centuries and I finally found it and it's yours. All you have to do is accept it. How many know Jesus was that fountain of life? You'll live forever if you open that gift and receive it. But he's saying it's the free gift of God. How many know as much as we hate it, gifts are the biggest part of Christmas because God gave his gift to us. The greatest gift that anybody's ever given. I can't even describe it, but here I am trying. Hallelujah. (laughs) Ephesians 2.8 For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. 
Hallelujah. What a gift. Man, I'm so excited about this gift. Hallelujah. You say, well, man, you got a point. Christmas is about the gift of Jesus Christ, and it is about all the gifts that God gives to mankind. But he never wrapped them. This whole wrapping thing has got me turned off. I don't like the fact that we wrap them and that there's wrapping paper and we spend money on that and that money could be spent for something else. And Luke 2.12 says, this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Do you know that God wrapped his gift? In fact, if you look at the journey that Mary took, uh, I was in Israel and I had one of the pastors ask me, he said, um, is Bethlehem near Nazareth? I said, no, it's not even close to Nazareth. Jerusalem is at the southern part of Israel, and Bethlehem is right next door to Jerusalem, a few miles, six miles south of Jerusalem. And Nazareth, where Jesus is from, is all the way to the north. So that family lived in Nazareth, but prophecy said that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Kind of hard to be born in Bethlehem when you're about to give birth and you're full term on a pregnancy and you're, and prophecy says you're supposed to be born in Bethlehem, but you live in Nazareth. How many know that people uh, that didn't have automobiles in that day didn't take trips like that before they were full term about to give birth to a baby? But Caesar Augustus decided that we were going to have a full census and everybody had to report back to their hometown of their origin, of the origin of their family. So how many know that Jesus' family was from the line of David, the lineage of David? David was raised, you guessed it, in Bethlehem. And so as he goes back to Bethlehem, how many know that there were shepherds? It's just a little field there. And how many know that that field was the place where the lambs were being groomed for the temple? And so God said, I will give you a sign. I'm going to wrap my lamb in swaddling cloths. Because this is where the lambs were born. They were for the temple. They were ripped up from the garments of the priests in little strips of cloth. And he said, you're going to see a strange thing, shepherd. You say, well, wasn't he born in a stable, in a cave. That's where they visited him at. But he was born in swaddling clothing in a manger of a lamb. That's the uh, feeding trough of a lamb and wrapped with the swaddling cloths of the lamb. And so the shepherds thought to themselves, what a strange thing because that's usually where our animals are. That's usually where the lambs that are being prepared for the temple And they have to put them in swaddling clothing. Get this, they have to do that because if there's one blemish on that lamb, they can't be sacrificed in the temple. So they put the swaddling clothing on so they don't have any kind of blemish on the lamb. And they said, where you normally put the temple lambs to make sure they don't have a blemish, you're going to find the unblemished lamb of God. And so God wrapped him 
in swaddling clothes and said, this is my gift to the world. And you say, did he actually say gift? It says in an obscure scripture that I found, John 3.16, it says, for God, there he is again, loved the world, so loved the world that he, what? Gave. That's a gift. He gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God's gift was given. It was wrapped and it was waiting in a manger. And he said, you're going to see a strange sign. You're going to see a baby wrapped up and it's God's gift to humanity. So what does a gift say about the giver? That's what we have to ask. Because God the Father is the giver. Jesus Christ is the gift. So what does the gift say about the giver? Well, put yourself in the position of me being the giver. What am I trying to tell the person that I'm giving the gift to? How many know, depending on how close the person is to you, dictates the gift that you give? In fact, there are some... You have those uh, areas at the front of the store where there's all these gifts that are like perfect. I've got 10 people on my list. Give me 10 of those. Right? How many know that you don't buy gifts the same for every person? The closer they are to you, the more personal the gifts become. So some of the questions I ask myself, is the gift personal? I'm trying to get in the mind of the giver. God, is the gift personal when I give a gift? Another thing, does it require thought? How many know that if you really care about somebody and they're close to you, that's great. I'm not saying it's wrong to buy gifts for everybody and they're not. I mean, everybody knows you can't put that much thought in everybody. But the ones who are close to you, you want them to know that you put a lot of thought into it. That I've really thought about this gift and this is what I came up with and they're going to open it uh, trying to receive everything that you are trying to portray in that gift. How many know that's true? When you're a gift giver, you really are emotionally tied to that gift and you put a lot of thought into it, right? Was it costly? Sometimes when you really care about somebody... You'll spend more money than somebody who's a casual acquaintance. That's why you have a Christmas party and say $10 max. Sometimes if you care about somebody or they're at a vulnerable time in their life and they just need encouragement, you'll put a little bit more money into it. And so I want to ask the question, was the gift costly for the giver? Another one, was it unique? I mean, no, you, like I said, sometimes you buy 10 of one thing, just to cross off everybody who's left on your list. But the ones you're really close to, it's more unique. Personalized, maybe. You know, hey, I, I took the time to personalize this for you because I love you. Right? So was it unique what he gave? And here's a big one. I like to give practical gifts. Like I was talking to my wife and I'm so excited when I can give practical gifts. She's got things that she's using regularly. I say, oh man, you know what? That was a practical gift I gave you because I know she loves 
Only practical gifts. That's why I buy her air compressors. I buy her miter saws. I buy her... You think I'm joking, but she loves practical gifts. (laughs) I'm not joking. Yeah, there were a lot of the tools I had here that were hers. So let's break down the gifts. That, that, that's the giver's mind right there. Let me ask you this. What about the gift? What was his frame of mind? The Bible says that, uh, rather, this is Philippians 2 7, rather Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. New Living Translation says it this way. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a servant and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. How many know the gift is important? And the gift literally stepped out of heaven and got rid of every divine privilege he had as God, stripped himself of it, and came to live as a human in human form. And and this is where I stop, and it's inexpressible. How do I express a gift that does that? You didn't, You probably didn't hear what I said, because you seem like you hear this every day. He was God in heaven. He stripped himself of every divine privilege he had as God. You say, well, that's easy. Have you ever done that? We couldn't even strip ourselves of our measly little bank account to help somebody. But he was stripping himself of being God to endure the pain and the affliction that he knew that he would have to endure for us. And it's indescribable. I can't explain, but here's one thing that helps a little bit. There was a theologian named Soren Kierkegaard. How many have ever heard of him? He was a Scottish theologian, and he was very good at expressing deep theological points. And he wrote a story about a prince who was in love with a girl in town. And he used this story, a parable, to try to explain what Jesus actually did. And it doesn't explain it. Because it's unexpressible. I can't speak into words what Jesus did as the gift and what, how he did it. But listen to this. It says, one day while running an errand in the local village for his father, he passed through a poor section of town. As he glanced out the window of his carriage, his eyes fell upon a beautiful peasant maiden. Now, if you read the story, this is a king in this kingdom. This king was very unapproachable. Like people just had so much respect for the king and his court that they just would not hardly even approach the king because of the fear of what might, you know, just, just being in the presence of a king. He was unapproachable. They were, they feared the king, you know. And so he sees this beautiful girl in the poor section of town. And it says, remember, this is his parable to explain what Jesus did and it doesn't fully even do it. It says, during the days that follow, followed, he often passed by the young lady. And very soon he fell in love with her. But he had a problem. How would he seek her hand? He would order her to marry him. 
But even a prince wants a bride to marry him freely and voluntarily and not through coercion. How many can understand that? He could order her to marry him, and because they all feared his father, the king, uh, she would do it. But he did not want coercion, and he did not want her to be forced to marry him. It said he could put on his most splendid uniform, drive up to her front door in a carriage driven by six horses, but if he did this, he would never be certain that she actually loved him. She would be simply overwhelmed by the splendor of his crown. Do you see that? Drive up in the most, can you imagine, drive up in the most expensive car overwhelm her with your money, but how can you really know that she loved you? Then he goes on, he says, the prince came up with another solution. He would give up his kingly robe, he would move into her village, he would enter not with a crown in the garb of a peasant, or he would not enter with a crown, but in the garb of a peasant, he would live among the people, he would share their interests and their concerns, he would talk their language, And in time, he would grow to know her and love her for who he was and because he had first loved her. How many know that this is what he did? Very similar to this story. Can you see this prince stripped himself of all of his money? Went to be, in fact, in the story, he goes to be a, a humble carpenter. And he decides to live in the community, have the same concerns, have the same conversations, speak the same language, befriend the people that are friends to her, and then try to win her love as a peasant. And how many know this is what Jesus did? He didn't come. What would happen if Jesus would have came in his glory? How can you really know that we loved him for his glory? What if he came in force and said, you know what, I'm forcefully going to make people serve me. And he didn't do that. He came as a peasant. In fact, the gifts that Mary gave were the gifts of a poor person. You know, he came as a peasant in a poor family. And he came because he loved us first. And he wanted to reach us. And in fact, you you think about the gift that God gave. Was it unique? You know, God could have done it any way that he wanted to do it, but he chose in the very beginning. How many know the very beginning of creation? He said that I'm going to come through the seed of a woman and I'm going to save humanity. And there was a God in the garden who they visibly seen and said, this lamb that I'm sacrificing to, or this animal that I'm sacrificing to cover you, This is going to be me in my death. Do this until I come. And how many know that is called a Christophany? That means that the Messiah, anytime you visibly see uh, somebody face-to-face meeting with God, that is not God the Father. Most theologians all say that's God the Son walking in the garden in the cool of the day, sacrificing the animal and teaching them about his death. How many know when uh, when Moses was in and he sees the burning bush and, he's, and he calls himself the great I am? 
How many know they were talking to Jesus and he said, before Abraham was, I am. He actually outed himself as the great I am. All through the Old Testament, thousands of years before he was ever born, we see this figure that is God that's meeting men face to face. And the Father has never, nobody has ever seen the Father face to face. It has to be Jesus Christ. And so I ask you, every prophecy, 4,000 years before Christ, there were prophecies, one after another, one after another, one after another. He fills, fulfills every one of them with his life. And I ask you, is this a unique gift that God gave? God actually gave us such a unique gift from the very beginning of creation, he's, he, in fact, you know, the Bible actually says, Paul says that he was the rock that they followed all through the wilderness. Christ was that rock. You know, that rock moved all over the wilderness when they were wandering in the desert. And Paul says that was Jesus Christ. He led them out of Egypt personally. They followed him in the wilderness personally. Church, this is the most unique gift anybody has ever given. He wrapped him up in human body and said, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. You'll find him wrapped up and he's my gift to you. Hallelujah. Is that a unique gift or what? I can't express it in words, can I? Hallelujah. Next question I asked was, is it a costly gift? Well, it's okay before the foundation of the world to decide that you're going to die for mankind. That you're going to give yourself as one of them, live the life that they lived, be on this earth and prophesy for thousands of years what you're going to do. But it's a whole thing altogether to actually do it. And you say, well, man, that wouldn't be too bad. You know, there's an ancient painting of Mary holding her son. And uh, the shadow that is cast behind them as she's holding her son was a shadow of him on the cross. And how many know his entire life he lived with the shadow that I am the lamb that God has sent to die for the sins of the world? And he literally sweat drops of blood knowing that there was no way that that cup could pass from him. He had to go through with it. And you say, well, man, that probably wasn't that bad. I could probably do it. How many of you know he was marred more than any man has ever been marred? He was unrecognizable. Uh, Satan was given free reign to mutilate his body to the maximum. And the Bible even says at any moment he could have called down 10,000 angels to remove him from the cross and say it's off. But how many know his love was so great that they predetermined this is how I'm going to draw mankind to me through my death for them, and it's going to be a free gift that anybody can have. And it was so costly that God, literally God who is with us, the Bible says. Emmanuel means God with us. God is on the earth in a human body, and he's beaten more than any man has ever been beaten. Church, that gift costs more than any gift you'll ever get. It costs more than any gift you'll ever give. It, it provided more love through that gift than anybody could ever give. And guess who gave the gift? The Father. 
And it's like saying, here is my son. I love you guys so much that I'm going to allow him to be mutilated and beaten. And you say, well, was he exempt from pain? No, he wasn't. He said he felt pain just like we do. And he said, I'm going to expose my son to more pain than anybody's ever had because I want to show the world how costly my gift is to you. So it is a costly gift. This is turning out to be a really good gift. And I'm still not expressing it well enough. Was it a thoughtful gift? One of the greatest, in fact, he's not here so I can talk about him. One of the great lines I've ever heard. In fact, it means a lot to me. and I'm sure it does my wife. But when we were little, or my kids were little, not me. I've never been little. But uh, my kids were little. We were going to shop for mom. And she's hard for us to shop for to find the right thing. They want to be thoughtful, find the right thing. And as we were going along, little Josiah, you know, a little bitty guy. And I thought it was one of the most thoughtful things he's ever said. We were walking along and I said, guys, we got to get something good. You know, we got to think. And we'd been walking for hours and trying to find the right thing to give to mom to express the love. And, and Josiah said, you know what? He said, and he was kind of regret it, a little regrettable. He just didn't. He said, I wish there was something we could give her that would automatically wash dishes. Because he knew how much time mom spent washing dishes. And uh, I hated to even break it to him because it was so funny. He was so little. He said, they only made something that automatically washed dishes. And I said, I said, well, Josiah, we have a dishwasher, an automatic dishwasher. He goes, oh, okay. But he was little bitty. And how many know thoughtfulness of the gift is really a big part of gift giving? And so you think, did the gift giver put much thought into it? You know, when Jesus was born, they documented 42 generations that were in preparation to bring God's gift. Hundreds of prophecies. And God said He thought it with the Son before He created man. I will submit to you, it's easily the most thoughtful gift that's ever been presented to the world. From the beginning of creation, this whole Bible has one theme. God's giving His gift to mankind and it's the only way to heaven. It's the most thoughtful gift that has ever been given. And more time was spent thinking about that gift the way He was going to give it than any other gift. And it's been presented to the world. In fact, you ever looked at the numbers for the best-selling books of all time? Don't even try to figure out what number two is because it's not close. The Bible is by far the most published, most distributed, most uh, incredible book that's ever been written because God is presenting His gift to the world through this Word. Most thoughtful gift ever. Another one, is it practical? That's a big one. Is it a practical gift? Practical is like, man, I so personally know this person that I want to give them something that I know that they'll use every day, right? How many do that? Man, how many like practical gifts? Am I just the only one? You guys all like extravagant gifts, right? Just extravagant, throw it to the side, we won't use it next year. In fact, in a week from now, we'll forget. Now, most of us like something practical. Man, they're going to use that. How many like underwear? 
for Christmas. <laughs> Just I'm not going there. <laughs> Practical. Like, man, they can use it every day. I'm so excited. It's going to change their life. How many know there are some gifts that literally change your life? It's like, man, my life is so much better because you, you, and you're like, yes, you gave me that gift. How many appreciate that? Man, I gave a gift that changes their life. Their life is so much better, right? So practical, they're going to use it every day. How many know this is the most practical gift that has ever been given to mankind? In fact, if we would open that up and we would receive it into our life, into our home, into our nation, how many know it is the answer for every problem we currently have? That gift applied to our life is the answer to death. How many know that? It is the answer to death. You say, well, man, I got a problem check. Can you help me? I'm going to die one day. It might be tomorrow. But how many know this gift answers that? What other gift do you have to answer death? It answers disease. Say, man, there's all these diseases. How many know it is the answer to disease because by his stripes we were healed? The only question we have when we open that gift is when? Is it going to be now? Is it going to be tomorrow? Is it going to be months from now? Or is it going to be for eternity I'm healed? But it answers the question. It answers the question of broken relationships. It answers the question of depression. It answers the questions of, of the problems that we have in our nation. It answers the questions of addiction. How many know that there are lots of people in this world that are so indebted to Christ that they're currently living their life because Christ delivered them from addiction? He delivered them from alcoholism. He delivered them from depression. In fact, I'm one of those people. I opened that gift up. And how many know that God healed me of everything that I was struggling with? And I know this gift because I opened it and it's mine. And now I live my life dedicated, indebted to Christ for because of what he gave me. And there are people all over the world that have the same testimony that they opened that gift and it changed everything. And how many know hospitals, orphanages, everywhere around the world, how many things are being done in the name of Christ who gave a gift to mankind? Hallelujah. Amen. It was an eternal gift. Have you ever, have you ever gotten an eternal gift? Like, man, this thing might last you two years. It was made in China. And it might last you a year, maybe two. But how many know this gift is an eternal gift? And the verse after John 3.16 is very upsetting because it says, if you don't receive the gift, you're condemned already. How many know that God gave a gift to be received 
but it can also be rejected. And the Bible says, if I'm going to preach the gospel and the good news, I've got to also preach the bad news. The bad news is I can reject it. We're not universalists. We don't believe that everybody goes to heaven. In fact, almost nobody believes they're going to hell. But the Bible says, if you reject the gift of Christ, today is the day of salvation. You reject it, and there is no eternal life. In fact, wide is the road that leads to destruction, and narrow is the road that leads to heaven. Few there be that find it. How many know more reject the gift of God than accept it? And that brings me to my last point. It is more often than not the unopened gift. Boy, this is heresy. A gift that is not open? Who would do that? I mean, even out of curiosity, wouldn't you open the gift? Like, you, there's a gift under the tree. Every year, nobody opens it. Can you imagine such a thing? Even out of curiosity, wouldn't you not open the gift? Okay, I'm the only one. I can see there's resistance here. Would you not be curious to open the gift? Big, beautiful, wrapped, awesome gift, and it says from God. And we're not going to open it. But the majority of people don't. God has given the greatest gift. The whole stinking celebration is about the gift of God that God brought down, wrapped up, put in a manger and said, this is your gift and the majority of mankind will not open a gift from God and they don't have any desire to, or curiosity to know what's inside that gift. And can I tell you something? I've opened that gift. I've dedicated my life to that gift. The gift was so great, it's inexpressible, it's indescribable. I can't, it's too wonderful for words. I dedicate my life to preaching this gospel about the gift I opened. It's in my life. It's working. It's changed me, transformed me. I'm on my way to heaven. It's eternal. It's all these things. But some people can't even tell you what the gift is. Because they've never opened it for themselves. And church, that's what we're here for. We're here to tell people, God gave you a gift. It's there. Don't leave it under the tree unopened every single year. That's not what Christmas is about. It's about the gift. The gift. And how many times do we, Christmas is about all the other gifts around the tree. And here's this one big indescribable gift. And we're not telling people to open it. Hallelujah. Stand to your feet. Worship team. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we can't say anything but what Paul said. Thanks 
be to God is the greatest understatement that I've ever heard, Lord. Truly. Thanks be to you, God. It's all about you. It's all about your gift. It's all about your son. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We're here to thank you, Lord. We're here to proclaim it, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Church, I just want to ask you this morning, you say, well, man, is it personal, this gift? The Bible says that he knew you even when you were in your mother's womb. And he said, you know what? I'm going to transform you so much they won't even recognize you. You're you're going to be a new creature in me. And here's how personal it is. God said when you trust him with your life and you open up this gift of salvation, I am going to give you my spirit. And my spirit is going to be there to sanctify you. That means clean you up. He's going to walk with you through every sin. He's going to walk with you through life. He's going to cause your spirit to be built up. He's going to do all these things. And and that spirit is the spirit of Christ. Is going to walk with you everywhere you go. He's going to go to church with you. In fact, he says, when you go to church, my presence is going to be in that place. When you go to work, guess where my spirit's going to be? In you. And I'm going to work through you. And I'm going to do everything I want to do with you. How many know this is the most personal, personalized? You want to talk about personalized? I'm going to fill you with my Holy Spirit and He's going to cause you to do everything I want to do through you, through my grace. Hallelujah. Church, find a place to pray. If you've never opened this gift, if you've never given your life to Christ, I'm here to pray for you. I'm here to pray with you now. I'm here to pray with you after. I'm here to pray with you during the week. But how many know we've got to open this thing? we got to see what this great indescribable gift Chad's talking about. He can't describe it. It must be pretty awesome. Right? I mean, when you know you got a gift like that, I mean, how excited did you used to get as a kid? The Bible says, come to Christ like a child on Christmas morning. I can't wait to open this gift because it's going to change my life. It's a remote control car. It's going to change my life. How many remember those days? Oh, man, exciting. It's going to be a Red Ryder BB gun. No, you'll put your eye out. Don't. Church, I want you to get the excitement of this gift. It is indescribable. And when you've opened it in your life, I can't even put into words how much it changes. So find a place. Find a place. If you need prayer, we're here for you. Hallelujah.
prophesied for generations. I'm going to strip myself of all my divine privileges, God. And I'm going to live among you because I love you so much. It's amazing. I mean, it is unspeakable. Absolutely incredible. We can't. How many know that our gifts to God are meager compared to what he's given us? So meager compared to what God has given us. And uh, I just want to encourage everybody this Christmas season to uh, be focused on that gift. And, uh, and it doesn't stop with the indescribable gift of Jesus. How many know the Bible says when he was resurrected and went on the right hand of the Father, it says in his train were gifts to men. Through his spirit, pouring out gifts to men. And you say, well, what are those gifts? Well, you could open a gift and get your BB gun or your remote control car, or you can open up a gift that's called peace to the world. You say, well, what does that feel like? That means that my heart is no longer afraid. That I no longer have doubts and fears. I just have the peace of Christ that he gave me. Or joy. How many know that you can have joy and it's not dependent on when you're having good times? It's joy all the time. And that's why they say joy to the world because he is the giver of joy. How many know self-control is a gift? know that there are words of wisdom, words of knowledge, healing. The gifts of God are beyond anything I can say. And you say, well, man, I can see it. Resurrected Christ in his train being gifts to man. You say, I thought that was Santa Claus. His gifts are better. I'm not knocking Santa Claus. Don't get offended. I'm just saying his gift is indescribable and his gifts are better than any gift that can be under your tree. And I don't care what's under your tree. If I just had him and his gifts, life is so good. Hallelujah. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, touch your people. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, thanks be to God. We say today, Lord, bless your people. Lord, bless those who are around. Lord, God, let them minister the good news, Lord, of your gift. And uh, bless them as they go. And and, uh, bless everybody they touch, Lord. In your name we pray. And everybody said, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah.